This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. We are going to try to put together some quick thoughts on this Monday night game. Man, it's 1.30. We are we are trying to find some sort of sleep tonight, but the sleep probably won't be happening, and that's okay uh, as we, we try to put out some content about what happened in this game specifically. Listen, it was one of the more you know, the more fun games I've ever seen from the Browns and been involved in. And in the end, result sucks. There's no doubt. We're going to talk about how the Browns got there. But uh, just just a really fun Monday night game. One of the, one of the more fun, entertaining primetime games we've seen all year. Um, but before we get there, we're going to, you know, talk about our sponsors, those who give us the ability to come and, and, and talk to you guys and Indeed is a company that we have talked about so many times. You know, as businesses are challenged across the globe to be as efficient with every hire as possible, and Indeed's here to help. The number one job site in the world, more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates, helps you find them fast. They're the number one out there. Anytime I've ever been looking for a job, I've gone to Indeed. They uh, they have quick, easy, very easy to use format. And uh, they're here to help those who are hiring, too, with full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, pause anytime, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the person you want the moment you sponsor a job, making it the only job site there at Indeed, the only job site that can match they can mat- they can move as fast as you do. Sorry, it's late. Indeed is right now offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. So try out Indeed with this free $75 credit. Help you weed through the poor candidates. Get to the ones who match your job at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. It's the best offer out. Go right now. Indeed.com slash BlueWire offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. Hopefully, you saw my tweet earlier. 
you kick back with an icy cold Pepsi, right? It's overbearing sports parents, overbearing fans, overbearing people without the athleticism or commitment, myself included. The fewer than 1% of the 1% of the 1% of people that will ever play football are not the folks who are interested in Pepsi. It's more so the folks like you and me, the watchers. So instead of entering the NFL, those people join another league, which is the league I'm talking about, those who watch the game. The football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you through and ready for every game day, no matter how you watch. So the refreshment you need to power through, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. I had my share of Pepsi tonight getting through tonight's game, which was brutal. Pepsi made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. And lastly... But not least, our friends at Bet Online, who, if you had the Browns plus three tonight, heartbreak city in the gambling world. Hopefully, you didn't take that. You lost a tough one and you thought you might push. From spreads to totals to team player, coaching props, whatever, Bet Online is the best out there for you to take advantage of the awesome opportunities to put some money on your favorite sports gambling lines every single week. You can do it every day. There's hoops, there's football, there's. There's everything, man. A night every, every night, a game every night. Take advantage of it at betonline.ag. They got championship futures that are still out there as well. Uh, make sure you take advantage of the sign-up bonuses that are out there using the promo code BlueWire. Again, that's betonline.ag promo code BlueWire. Your online sportsbook experts. So now we shift. We talk about the game. 47-42 final. Really ends 45-42. Um, talk stats quick. Nick Chubb 17 for 82, two touchdowns, six carries, 33 for Kareem. Baker runs five times, 23 yards. He throws 28 of 47, 343, two touchdowns. Jarvis throws one time for 12 yards. I should mention Baker also one key interception, which we will talk about. Kareem Hunt has six catches for 77 yards, leads all receivers in yards with that touchdown as well. Donovan Peoples-Jones, three catches, 74 yards. He's coming along nicely. It's going to be a nice player in the Browns wide receiver room for a while. Shard Higgins leads the team in targets with 10, six catches, 68 yards, a touchdown. Key fourth Fourth down touchdown there in the fourth quarter. Jarvis Landry, nine targets, six catches, 52 yards. David Njoku, three for 45. Nick Chubb, two for 21. Harrison Bryant, three for 18. Andy Janovich did have one target and a drop. So offensively, the Browns go for a ton of yards, 493. They actually go five for 12 first down on third down. They run 20 more plays, 76 to 57, 20 more plays than the Ravens. I've gained them by 100 yards, 493 to 385. 6.5 6.5 per play to 6.8, so it's not like that discrepancy was wide. The Ravens, the difference is they run it well. 231, Cleveland runs for 138. One of the rare times Cleveland has been outrushed in a game. The Browns obviously dominate the passing department, 355 to 154. Both teams, eight penalties. The key, one turnover by Cleveland. Two punts for Cleveland, four punts for Baltimore. You make it three if you consider Cleveland's missed field goal a punt, which is ultimately what it is. Six uh, touchdowns apiece. The big, def- the big difference... We're not going to count the safety. Is the one for one on field goals from Baltimore? The 0 for one from Cleveland. 31 minutes possession for Cleveland. 28 minutes for Baltimore. A lot of things really even here. Lamar Jackson runs nine times for 124 yards. High volume yards per carry over 10. J.K. Dobbins 13 for 53. Gus Edwards seven for 49. Two touchdowns for Gus. Two touchdowns for Lamar. One touchdowns for one touchdown singular for J.K frustrating run defense, man. Just did not do a great job in run fits, and the option game killed them with undisciplined, out-of-position play. We're going to talk about it this week. 
Lamar Jackson, 11 for 17, 163 in a touchdown throwing. Two chunk plays to Andrews on a scramble to his right. And another scramble to his right. Uh, what was it? 44-yard touchdown to Hollywood Brown. Uh, Mark Andrews, 5 for 78 on the game with his 39-yard long catch. Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown. We don't talk about Hollywood from the other side. Two catches, 50 yards, one touchdown. Willie Sneed, three catches, 29 yards. Miles Boykin had one for five. Gus Edwards, one for four. Defensively, Chuck Clark had nine tackles. Patrick Queen had eight tackles leading the way for Baltimore. They end up getting... I don't think they had a sack in this game. They did not. Cleveland had one, two. Vernon had two sacks of his own. Sione Takitaki had a sack. Sheldon Richardson had a sack. Carl Joseph leaves with seven tackles. Sheldon Richardson had six. Takitaki, five. And down the line we go. We will jump in later this week, talk more defense. But for the most part, a, uh, a frustrating, frustrating loss because... It felt like destiny was bringing Cleveland to the victory here. I mean, they got it to 35-34, 6-33 left. I continue to say that the play of the game is the third and ten that Trace McSorley completes to Willie Sneed on the left side curl because if the Browns get that football back, obviously Lamar never comes back to throw that touchdown with 151 left. Uh, the Browns get it back, and they're at that point just dominating the Ravens. Um, with with a nice mixture of run and pass, and I think the Browns put that game away. But a catch is made. They get it out to the 50. McSorley hurts his knee. Lamar comes in on 4th and 6th. And if you would like to know what happened precisely on that 4th and 6th, check out the OBR where I posted the frustrating execution mistake that cost the Browns on that play. I encourage you to go there and read it. You will see why I'm so frustrated with that play. Uh, unfortunate result. Kudos to Baker Mayfield, who I also wrote about, if you have time to check that out as well, who uh, I thought overcame uh, quite a few things that have caused him issues in his quarterbacking career uh, as he as he threw for 343 and, and led multiple big fourth quarter drives. Three fourth quarter touchdown drives, the Browns go on two touchdown passes from Mayfield, and he runs for one as well. He spearheaded the second half, man. They were down 28-14. The Browns lost that two-minute to two-minute window. You talk about the two minutes before half and the two minutes after half. They lost it. And if you look at the key for this game, you can talk about, and I even tweeted about the Cody Parkey missed extra point and the missed three um, that obviously is the difference in the game. But there's also plenty of missed plays too. Baker has that interception that ultimately results in a very quick touchdown return to the one-yard line. And then you talk about how they allow a touchdown right before half and then allow a two, two four-play touchdown drives from Baltimore. One 30 seconds left in the half, one right out of the locker room. Uh, they score with 12.47 on the clock in the third quarter. So, listen, there were multiple points where I thought the Browns were going to pack it in in this game, especially when it got to 28-14, right? They get it to 28-14, thought that we could see uh, one of those freewheeling the wheels come off they don't want to they don't throw it well they don't take advantage of some opportunities they miss some plays and it ends up a 38 to 20 or 38 to 14 final but they didn't they go down and score the kick fails 28 20 again they get the football back and they throw an interception so you know it's uh it's really frustrating really really frustrating there when you cut it to 28 20 get the football back throw an interception they score the next place 34 20 again i thought they would pack it in though but they didn't. They come out, 12-play, 75-yard drive with a Higgins touchdown on fourth down. Makes it 34-28. They, 
They get a stop, right? Finally able to get a stop, get the football back, go back down again. Another 12-play drive for 70 yards, and they're dominating the fourth quarter. Like I said, two 12-play drives in the fourth quarter. 70 yards, 75 yards, third and 10. Trace McSorley finds Willie Sneed, first down, and the rest is history. Baltimore scores. Cleveland does a nice job scoring and answering in four plays, 75 yards. And then, you know, you give up a last-second kick to the best kicker in NFL history, 55 yards. That's all she wrote. I will again preach the resiliency of this group, which I've just been trying to do. There are multiple times this team could have folded, and they did not fold, which I think is vitally important. Uh, which tells me that there is a real culture change happening in the Browns locker room, a bunch of guys who believe, a bunch of guys from the GM to the head coach who have bought into the vision. The head coach has passed that vision to the, his assistant coaches and the, and the, and the locker room has uh, taken full effect through their position coaches. And there's a, there's a belief in what is being sold and how they get there. There's a belief. They don't quite have the personnel, I think, to be elite, but they're playing good football and they're a playoff caliber team. And that means something. Little mistakes cost them tonight. They could have won that game just as easily as they lost it. But they're there. They can compete with the best in the NFL. They're missing key players. Ronnie Harrison, Denzel Ward, key players. Austin Hooper, hell of a key player. Vitally important to what the Browns want to do with personnel in their run game. And probably why you saw Stefanski a little hesitant to run the ball a ton tonight. Definitely loves three tight ends for versatility. Couldn't do it as efficiently and effectively as he wanted to. So they were definitely damaged. Listen, Baltimore's damaged too. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. They're, they're dealing with a lack of cohesion. Big names have been out, but they were healthy. You know, you get the Baltimore Ravens one week ago. It's a different team. But today, although it's the third game in 13 days, they were healthy. They had, they had everybody there. And the Browns hung with them, despite some nagging injuries to big, important players. And um, I'm just fascinated with where it goes, man. I'm fascinated with how uh, the culture feels different. I'm, I, I just I feel great about that. I feel great about the quarterback play. They ultimately got one big mistake, but ultimately got good quarterback play. We're going to talk more about that. We're going to have John Colosimo on. John does great work on Nothing But The Dogs podcast. If you're an OG listener of this podcast, he was the original host with me uh, before uh, some some circumstances split us up. I'm going to happy to have John on every week going forward. Hopefully we can make that a realistic thing. Uh, But a good conversation here we had late at night, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll check back in after this interview. But for now, let's jump over to it and hear what John has to say about Baker and some other uh, hot topics. Okay, John, I, th- I think it's best sometimes that I break up my incoherent rambling on these, these, these moment after pods. Sometimes at one o'clock I do these at night. Uh, I tried to switch it up and do it immediately after the Titans game because I was pretty fired up. We get it immediately after this one as well. We're going to talk a couple specific things where you and I could chat until about 2 a.m. So we'll talk first, first Baker. He goes 28 of 47, 343, two touchdowns. Does have a pretty heinous interception there uh, that, was, that, was, that was pretty bad. We'll talk. I'll, listen, just give me your thoughts, man. Like, I, I, I will say one quick thing, and then you dive away. Like, I thought there were a couple times where it's like, oh, God, this is the dude we all feared. Here comes the Baker we've seen struggle in predictable situations. And I thought he turned it around, and he pulled out a pretty good performance. I, like, kind of want to know what you thought of it, where he's at. Give, give me everything. All right, I'll tell you what, like uh, right off the bat, I'll tell you, yeah, there was the uh, pretty brutal interception. Um, but again, uh, like I said on Twitter, I think we've seen these interceptions from Baker on these kind of um, uh, rush and then drop type situations. Uh, we've seen that several times from him. Uh, this time, it didn't feel like he got 
fooled. It felt like he was just a little cocky that he could get it through the guy. And those I don't feel quite as bad about. You know, obviously it was a critical situation, (laughs) terrible time to do it. But I'll tell you, like my overall feeling coming out of this game is um, that we've got rookie Baker back. You know, like I'll go back to a, a first quarter throw and I'm sure you'll cover it on your thing, but uh, there was one where he just snaked this thing through a couple of uh, defenders, like a rope. Uh, and I'm positive you'll know the one that I'm thinking of uh, once you go through that that film. But um, it was the kind of throw that, that he was ballsy enough to throw and get through um, as a rookie that we just haven't seen that kind of stuff. Um, and overall, like when you take the entire game, you know, and you and you take that terrible interception and how he responded to it, because sometimes Baker can unravel, you know, he's a streaky player. Um, you know, sometimes he can unravel under that kind of thing, especially under the kind of stress that was this game. Uh, but he didn't. He came back and, um, you know, I'll tell you what, like uh, as a rookie where he had me as a fan was uh, I didn't worry when he threw it at traffic or, or those kind of things. Like I felt, or like he had a bad play. I felt like he was going to get the next one. Those are the kind of things that I've never really had back as a fan. And um, today, honest to God, even with the result and everything like that, uh, today was the first time I felt that way again. Like Baker was going to get that next play. Even if the next, even if the one was bad, he was going to get the next one. And uh, I had not felt all the way back to that until today. So honestly, I feel pretty damn good coming out of this game. I feel good about Baker. Um, I feel good about his reactions to some bad plays. Uh, um, I feel good about being in a high pressure situation and not having everything go your way, whether it be kicks or drops or weather, whatever the case may be. Um, so I'm coming out of this game, honest to God, feeling like, Baker's all the way back and uh, I can't wait to see what he does next. And so that's where I'm at, Jake. Well, I think what particularly stands out to me is I thought there were, well, I'll preface it with this. This is the worst kind of defense for, for Mayfield. We talk or we have talked ad nauseum about like this situation for him over the past few years. And we've all seen a big enough sample size with Baker where we know now what he does well and what he does not do well. We have a really good feel now for the issues he has, which are uh, teams that try to pressure contain him in the pocket. They walk up those creepers, which you were just talking about. They drop people out. They try to confuse him. They muddy the snap, look for the quarterback pre to post. That stuff is what he struggles with, which is, I think we get kind of laser focused on Baker, but like that's kind of what all quarterbacks struggle with in general. Like there's the really elite ones who beat it all the time, but like for the up and coming quarterbacks, like that's what they all struggle with teams who change the look. Any, any quarterback's going to struggle if you think you're getting one thing and you get the other thing. Like I know it's a knock on Baker, but it's like, that's the hardest shit out there. Like it's just tough. It's tough to overcome. And then like, obviously dealing with pressure, every quarterback's grade drops significantly when pressure's around, but what you want to see from him um, you know, more poise in those situations, staring down the barrel, knowing you're going to get hit without freaking out, not dropping your eyes all the time when you're maybe feeling, you know, fainted pressure or phantom pressure is the better word there. Those sort of things I thought in the second quarter, it got to the point where I think that Baltimore jumped out a little bit. The Browns had a series of punts where I was like, okay, 
I'm kind of seeing this stuff. I think he had one, he rolled right on a third and four and he had Harrison Bryant early. He missed him and then he threw to him late and he threw it at about 95 miles per hour. I'm like, <laughs> you got to reel it in, man. But I also thought to myself too, John, like, this is the first time he's been in this situation for a while where he's had to kind of claw his team back from more than three or four points down. Like he hasn't been in that situation, especially when it was 28, 14, I think in the set in the third quarter, it gets there. Yeah. Baltimore comes out and scores 28, 14. Uh, all of a sudden you're down two scores. And it's like, I thought from that point on, he started to really settle in. He had a good feel for both phases. They were still running the ball a little bit. So I don't know what his grade will look like. I feel like I've been doing a really good job projecting what his grades will be. I think he'll be maybe a low 80s mark. He might creep into yep. the high 70s. Uh, there were some good. There was some bad. This, But this to me is just a reminder. Like, And this is just like as much as I was talking to, to, to my dad who I was watching this game with, like when we saw Lamar get drafted by Baltimore and we saw Lamar go into his MVP run, we're like, this is – this is what we get for the next decade. Like these battles are now very real. Like this guy is very real. Now the same with Baker where it's like when we've talked about what gives Baker headaches, we've talked about these defenses, these three, four defenses who, who really um, do a nice job of sending unpredictable pressures. Like they have just random guys aligned in different spots. The Steelers do the same thing. They bring pressure from different locations all the time. And like, this is who he's going to have to face for the next 10 years. Like this is, this is the problem is, and the thing that sucks. And I've talked about this with uh, Kevin Cole at pro football focus is like, how much of Baker's picture are we kind of muddying uh, and our overall evaluate evaluation of him because he has to play Baltimore and Pittsburgh four times a year. Like that's real. Those are two continually great defenses, like through two decades of great defense. And he has to play those guys four games a year. And it's like, how much of your, perceived basement or perceived poor play from Baker stems from those situations, right? Like he has to play those guys. He, he, let me long story short here. He's going to see Pittsburgh again. I thought today he handled it better. I know Baltimore's pass rush is not great. It's not, it's not anything groundbreaking, but they do blitz and they bring some confusing looks and they bring DBs and they're all over the place and they have a really good secondary. There's no denying that. And I thought he played well. I thought he answered the bell. I do think, a great question to Baker in the post game. Maybe somebody asked him, maybe they don't is, did you see that dropper? Like, because if you saw him, I don't know how you throw it. I just, I, I don't, I just like when I'm looking at his line of sight, I'm not saying you're wrong, John, but when I look at his line of sight, like I don't know how you in your mind thought I could get that ball there. I, I just don't know, but maybe, maybe he'll answer that question and say, Hey, yeah, I thought I could beat him there. And if, and if anything, he just gets a hand on it. Well, by, by weird physics, he gets enough of his hand on that ball, right, for the, just enough to be able to, to bat it and control it to himself. So a little bit of bad luck there. Probably one of his very few turnover-worthy plays. I, I think he might have had two turnover-worthy plays in this game, um, but he has had so few in the last seven weeks. And, like, I thought the second quarter where they clearly were not running the football very well, which I talked about earlier on this podcast. They were not running the ball very well. You could see the shift from Baker of like, oh, yeah, this is, this is what it's like in a game where I have to lead us down the field continually. And I thought by the end of the game, he was doing a much better job finding his running backs, being patient, being calm and collected, stepping up and running in the right situations too, evading pressure without evading, without creating his own pressure. There's a difference between evading – situations where it's actually necessary to get out right and then there's sure. situations where you create your own pressure and he, I thought he was doing the right things in that regard so I feel 
I know the 28 of 47 is not a great completion percentage, but I felt good about him leading uh, the offense when he needed to be the guy who leaded the offense because, you know, what did they run, John? They only ran 23 times in, in total between the two running backs. Like, I'll pitch it back to you. Did you feel like – I know it was obvious Kevin Stefanski came out like, hey, man, we're going to be aggressive. Uh, did, did you feel like there was a little bit too much zealous nature going on with the, with the throwing, or did you think I'm okay with it? I'm okay with this much play action – you know, based on where, where, like, Baker's had the hot hand lately. We've been fe- he's been feeling it play action. Like, I'm kind of curious what you think because I know a lot of people were complaining about it. I have my opinion on it. So you you go ahead and tell me if you think 23 odd runs from those two running backs is enough. All right. So here's what I would say. First of all, just to drop back into that pick, um, you're talking to a guy who spent his whole childhood as a huge fan of and watching Brett Favre. All right. So, you know, like that, that seems so much like a hubris Brett Favre type play to me um, that that's what I saw, you know, like it was just like flash right back to uh, Brett Favre. He thought he could fit it in there. Maybe that's not the case, but that's, that's what I saw personally uh, for that. And then um, as far as you, you, have, you have to be right, you have, I don't mean to interrupt you real quick, but you got to be right because yeah. he has to see that guy. I, I, I think that I just would like to know his answer to it because there's just no conceivable way he misses him on that. That's, so he's running right in the line of where you're throwing that stop hitch at. Like you just, he just had to think he could be, go ahead, keep going. I'm not, I, I, I didn't want to say it wrong earlier, but like, I, I just, it's, it's interesting. I'd like to know his thought process. Keep going. Sorry. And he was dealing to that point. Like, I mean, he was slinging it, you know, like he was, he was going. So like, I can understand his thought process to think I'm going to wing this. It, it needed to be a little higher, a little bit more to the left, but you know, uh, and he might've made it, but he didn't. And <laughs> I've seen that before, but uh, you know, beyond that, as far as the distribution, as far as uh, passing and running uh, to me, um, there was a lot of situations, I think, that dictated that you throw. Um, you know, it just kind of ended up that way. You know, we end up in that uh, third and three on the 50. Uh, we get the penalty. We're back, and now it's third and 13. You know, like there's situations, I think, that dictated uh, that we needed to throw the ball. Um, and then, um, you know, Baltimore was just absolutely loading that box. It just the numbers weren't there half the time. You know, um, they were absolutely just jamming that box with uh, with defenders and rushing in the right places. And just like you said, uh, doing that thing where, you know, a lot of those guys are in the box, but, you know, only half of them are rushing. Um, I don't think we did the greatest job blocking, you know, to be honest. I saw Wyatt Teller get smoked uh, on the inside, uh, you know, on a, on a critical play. You know, I saw some sometimes on the edge where we had the wrong edge guy coming and by then he already had the angle and uh, that was forcing some things. So uh, I, I understand the person that maybe watches this and says, you know, we should have been a little bit more on the run, but at the same time, I think that uh, by and large, Baker was able to shoulder that responsibility and deal with those things yeah, you know, in places where you thought maybe we should have been running the ball. So those were my thoughts. Yeah, I thought I thought Baltimore and then first watch, obviously you gotta you gotta go back and you gotta rewatch so sure. much of it, individual base to look at individual grades and I, I I don't know about that stuff yet. But I just in, in first watch and my eyes don't always stick on offensive linemen, but I felt Baltimore controlled the line of scrimmage. Um 
I talked about how they set the edge really well in wide zone that made that made only really one read there for Nick earlier. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think there were certainly situations in the game that that, that, pred- that predicated. Um, I can't speak tonight. That, that may really forced their hand into throwing. There's no doubt about that. There were some situations where I was like, man, they're really pass game neutral. Like here, they're they're really in neutral situations. They're they're throwing it, and they and they. I would love to look at how many total play action calls were. We're, uh, we're there tonight. So fascinating stuff, man. I, I just – I think you're right. I think there's people that watch this thing and they're like, well, they should have run the football more. But, you know, I don't know why. The NFL's media site says the Browns won 54-47. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, go ahead, my man. Oh, I just wanted to say, too, like, you know, um, you got to say something about the trust that Stefanski put in Mayfield during this game. You know, uh, you know, there's been a lot of times where you could say uh, Stefanski was pretty, you know, conservative in leaning on this running game. Uh, he really, he really put this game in uh, Baker's hands, and not, and I'm talking about not in the last two minutes, like the second half. You know, he really put this thing in Baker's hands and absolutely put a ton of trust in his hands. And I don't think Baker let him down. So no, 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 not at all. When they come back and take the 35, 34 lead and then they tie it up. That was, that was all on Baker, man. And Kareem makes a nice play and, and whatever, but like, you know, you got to get, a, you got to give them the football at the opportunity to make those plays. And I thought they did. And like, you know, at the same time, uh, I think that there's still some things to fancy could do to help them. I, I think they go and gun and they're just throwing it every time. I still think they don't run enough from the gun. I think they're decent enough at it that they need to break that tendency a little bit more and just help their quarterback out. And really from there, I know going into this game, they only had four play action throws from the gun too, which is like, it's like highway robbery a little bit in terms of keeping teams on their heels. It's, 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 I think that four mark was the lowest in the NFL. So I still think there are some situations that they have to know that they can get in the gun and play action off of it. Slide the same sort of stuff that they do from the gun or sorry, from under center, they can do from the gun. And it might it might just make somebody in the secondary who knows those tendencies hesitate for just a second, which is all you need uh, in these games to make a big play. So, um, yeah, that's it, man. I, I really just wanted to talk about Baker. I wanted to talk about Stefanski. I want to talk about the run game. It's a tough loss, dude. It's a tough loss, man. Like, it's it's a game that you <laughs> they could have won. It's unfortunate. Like, if you look at it, there's only one turn. Despite all the fumbles, only one turnover. That interception, penalties were dead even. The, the the time of possession almost dead even. The Browns actually forced Baltimore to punt four times uh, to just two punts for Cleveland. Saint, listen, dude, this is a bizarre <laughs> stat line. 30, 30, they, they both go the six of 11 for Baltimore, third down, five of 12. Cleveland almost identical. Cleveland actually outgains them by 100 yards, runs 20 more offensive plays. That's wild, and they lost the game. Yeah, I don't know. Just get, kind of give me your thoughts where you're at the rest of the way. Are you are you really bummed? Are you are you very optimistic? Where are you going with it? Well, yeah. Um, to me, um, I'm going to go back to my opening thoughts, which is uh, I'm very encouraged. I uh, I do think your thoughts uh, immediately out of the PFF grade, I think are going to be right. I think we're going to get low 80s out of this. Um, and this is not going to be like some bad game that Baker had. Uh, and I'm very, um, I feel very good about, you know, we got the, we got the Giants, we got the Jets, uh, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, week 17 probably just got a lot easier for us. Um, <laughs> you know, those types of things. But, uh, I think the, 
you know, compared to where we were, Jake, honest to God, on, on our text thread, you know, first quarter Bengals game, you know, where we thought we might have to be looking, you know, at, at different quarterbacks and things like that. Um, I feel really, really good in that regard. And I think that we're going to end this season. We're going to be in the playoffs. We're going to get a shot at, you know, giving somebody some trouble. Uh, probably not more than that, you know, but, you know, this team is ahead of schedule as far as I'm concerned. And if we end ahead of schedule with the question of quarterback, uh, at least solved for the short term, then I don't know how you could exit this season, you know, exit this season feeling bad as a Browns fan. So, you know, I'm oh, happy yeah. and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with the bright lights uh, in January. What do we know about that? As Browns yeah, fans. yeah, for sure. And I thought, I, I, I really did think that in, in, in the, that's what I'm most encouraged about was the type of defense that Baker had to play and responding against it and putting together a nice performance throughout a majority of this game um, to make you feel good about this. Like I said, this is, this is the worst type of defense that Baker struggled. It's, it's it, them in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh uh, more so because they have a better pass rush to pair with the pesky secondary, but, but Baltimore is like rushers. right there too. So, so yeah, I think, I think I feel good about that. I, I, I think there is an ascension going on between Baker and Stefanski. And I think that they're, 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 Agreed. they're, I don't know how the right way to phrase it. They're sort of parallel ascension together, what they're doing, and really Van Pelt's tied into it too, but like their, their growth together has tied in perfectly with the Browns winning football games. And that sort of ascension is, is what you want to see because that is what leads you to a long-term solution at the position because that, that, there's not a doubt in my mind Baker needs the right play caller, the right system, and that's okay. Like, so does Lamar, dude. Like, that's fine. And it works. Who cares if you're going to say someone's a system quarterback? If you kill it in that system, why would you need any other system? So <laughs> there, there's, there's a really good – and we've talked about this too. Like, there have been games where the Browns have kind of closely lost or you're, you feel terrible because the quarterback and you're just like, oh, I don't know, I don't, I'm unsure about – but then there's these games where it's like, okay, Baker played well. We can fix the defense. We'll figure that out. And I do believe over time they'll figure out this defense. Another offseason of investing in that position uh, in the secondary, another uh, continue to help their linebackers, continue to help their – I have no doubt they'll address it with really good talent. So I'm not bothered about that so much. So you're right. The first step is, is was, and in my opinion, it was formulating a culture that works. They formulated a culture clearly that works from top to bottom. There's a respect from the coaches, from the GM to the, from the front office to the coaches, or sorry, to the head coach, from the head coach to his coaches. And from the, from the, from the head coach having guys that believe in him, his messages get filtered in those position rooms and throughout the team really well. And that has clearly happened. You, you cannot say it has not happened. Clearly happened. It has been an ascension with the quarterback tied to his play caller. That's great to see. All of that now is window dressing it. Can you can you dress it all up? Can you can you get to the playoffs in this first season together in a, in a pandemic? That's a stepping stone. Then you build some other things around it. And this is kind of going out in left field here, but this is where I'm at with it. You build some things around it. You add some pieces. You add some defensive parts that need, are needed. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, we can compete with the Bills and the Chiefs and the, and the, and the elite of this car. So I'm good with where they're at. I feel good about it. It's a, it's a shitty loss. It sucks. It hurts. It actually hurt. I actually felt like 
damn, that kind of hurt at the end of that game for the first time in a long time. And actually, they made me feel something, <laughs> right? Which is, <laughs> which is so rare for the Browns for, for, for a while now. So um, I'm good, bro. This was good stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll try to continue to catch up. I'd love to do it weekly. We're going to work on that uh, as time permits and, and all of that stuff shakes out. But, John, it's always good to touch base with you, bro. Any parting shots? No, man. Uh, thanks for the shot and talking about this game. Uh, this was a fantastic game to talk about. So uh, glad to be here. And, uh, you know, let's do it. Uh, let's just wash it out and, and play again against the Giants in primetime, dude. Yeah, man, that's the best thing they can do. And I'm sure that was the message. I think Baker already, I saw a quick, quick blurb about, you know, you can't let this one linger. And then the next week you lost, you win as a team, you lose as a team, you move on. And uh, you got another primetime game. They have everything in front of them. If they win these two in New York against inferior opponents. You're 11 and five, you're making the playoffs. And that's, that's the first step, man, is get to the playoffs. And then you never know what could happen in this, in this, this era, this, this certain situation we're still living in, you never know what could happen. So hell yeah, man, don't be down Browns fans. You got a lot, you got a lot to live for here in terms of your football life. Uh, some really exciting two weeks coming. So, so stay positive and I'm going to have John back and we'll continue to chat about this team. So shout out to him and thanks for joining. And uh, we'll be right back. Listen, I hope you enjoyed it. We ramble a bit. It's late. Just a, a late night conversation and uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Keep your head up, man. Every Browns have everything in front of them. They, they, I know it's a tough loss. We all want to beat the Ravens. We all want to beat the Steelers. It's coming. I think they're going to get there for now. The first step in the stepping stone of this season and this franchise and where they want to go and where they can be over the next few years is got to get to the playoffs. you got to win these two games over inferior opponents. Unfortunately, both are on the road, but there's no reason to lose them. you got to win these two games. They mean everything to your season. You get to 11 wins, you're in the playoffs. You only get to 10, you're really pushing it. You might maybe get lucky you got to get to 11. So these two games, especially next Sunday night, vitally important Sunday night football game with uh, with the New York Giants. So we'll get there. We'll talk about them later in the week. But before we have plenty of things to recap, check out the OBR where I told you we have two key things up on the loss. Uh, the resiliency of the team, especially Baker Mayfield. It's a key point of positivity after this loss. And then uh, if you want to see what happened on that Lamar touchdown, you want to kill yourself all over again, you can figure out the real reason why that play jumped into the end zone. Uh, you can check that out there as well. So keep your out for more content. We'll have our usual stuff up this week. We will do our Baker Mayfield film room as we normally do. Hopefully I'll have that thing ready to go on time uh, for a change, which would be great if my uh, technology cooperated. So we'll see if it uh, we'll see if it does. But uh, in the meantime, I'm positive about this. You should be positive too. Tough loss. No one likes to lose. But uh, a lot of things to feel good about this Browns team and where they're going. So uh, chin up, man. Have a great week. Have a great, I guess it's Tuesday. We usually talk on Mondays. Tuesday. Have a great week. Stay safe. And as usual, guys, go around. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.